great to be with you, and we had a very, very good time at Bradley Stoke, and I'm so excited to be at Cottom, and I think that the fish ponds plant sounds exciting. Uh, I still have in my mind fish ponds when I hear the word, uh, so I, I, when I go there, I might start thinking of it as an actual place. But uh, it is tremendous to see the momentum. And uh, is the multimedia cued for the first video, John? Just to say, uh, as Andy's correctly said, I, I live in Zimbabwe. I've been born and raised in Zimbabwe and am part of River of Life Church. And uh, about 10 years ago, we planted into the northern part of Mozambique. And uh, I've had the joy of, in all my church leadership, responsibilities uh, of not drawing a salary from the church, but generating a salary through business. And when we planted in Mozambique, I really wanted to do that. And we started a chicken farm, chickens for eggs. And uh, we're up to two and a half million eggs a month that we sell into the local market. And we have a few thousand crocodiles as well. And uh, the crocodiles take the waste product of the chickens, uh, either the mortalities from the layers or the, the intestines and things from the chickens that are for meat, and that's free food for the crocs. And um, I was telling the group of business guys last night that we've had our first order of 400 skins to Milan, which is the, the absolute pinnacle of where you can sell a crocodile skin, the ladies' handbag market in Italy. Uh, so that is what we're up to, but right in the action in Mozambique, uh, I met Andy and Woody, and uh, they came to visit Daryl and Joy Gregg, who were from the bridge, and uh, as those, as your churches have gone through this very exciting merge, which we, we did a merge about four years ago, 2015, uh, we were four, five hundred strong, we're now over 1,300 on a Sunday, two sites, five meetings. It really catapulted us into influence in our city. And uh, my message this morning is to encourage you to really seize this, get on the front line of battle uh, in this. But uh, they were visiting Daryl and Joy, who lead an agricultural college in Nampula. And uh, I was just amazed at the love and the care that Andy had taken um, to come out and see them and meet them as, as part of this connection across the churches. And then he started talking about marketplace, mixing with the forceful advance of the kingdom. And I realized we have so much in common. And uh, I was thinking about how we could support Daryl and Joy more. And he got excited about that. And Paul got excited about it. And I said, you know, if you are going to participate like that, I would be very open and willing to come up to Bristol and connect with the church and for this to be a two-way thing. And it has been an amazing joy to take the first steps of that journey and be with the students yesterday and the business guys last night. So uh, I've got a word that I feel burning on my heart from Second Timothy, but I'm just going to run this clip. It's a three-minute clip that gives you a bit of a, a, thou a picture paints a thousand words. It's like it just gives you a snapshot of the world I come from. Uh, I live in Zimbabwe, and my business and church planting in Mozambique are very closely linked. This gives you a window into the Mozambique aspect, if you can run it. Thanks, John. Mozambique, 
Africa, the second poorest nation in the world, and a country that is developing in the wake of Portuguese rule, civil war, communism, and extreme weather patterns. These vast challenges have the ability to open up kingdom advancing opportunities, which have the potential to reach and shape an entire nation. Through establishing strategic partnerships of churches, businesses, and educational initiatives, we are collectively beginning to reach the people of Mozambique. Hundreds of thousands of lives are already being influenced through our income generation opportunities, business training, employment creation, and discipleship. The gospel of Jesus Christ is spreading and many leaders are emerging who will influence future generations. And now, with all the momentum that is growing, we have reached a critical moment. The foundation of this partnership requires a high school, the likes of which does not exist anywhere in the nation. Like everything else we've developed so far, we must build it. Thanks to the churches around the world, we have already established a world-class elementary and middle school that has sustained this partnership to this point. The need for a high school is now absolutely pivotal in the continuation of our mission. Without a high school, our objective of reaching the nation of Mozambique is significantly compromised. In his incredible faithfulness, the Lord has already laid out the provisions for the new senior school. We've even broken ground on the prototype that will show us how to most effectively build the new high school. However, in order for us to go forward, we must now secure the necessary funding to build the school. This is more than a high school. This is a catalyst for the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This school develops future leaders, educates the children of those working together to reach the nation, and synergizes with the local government for national impact. As we love Mozambique together, we invite you to participate in developing education for hundreds of thousands of young people through your prayer, your participation, and your pledging. We can be part of seeing hearts turned from death to life in Christ through the establishing of this life-changing new high school. Through the Holy Spirit, this is how we can truly reach the nations and make an impact well beyond our own generation. The kingdom of God is moving. Be part of the movement at lovemoz.com. It, uh, it does feel like an amazing privilege to be in the north of Mozambique, second poorest nation in the world, and north of the Zambezi River, 80% of the population share 20% of the resources. So it's a, it's a crazy setup, and uh, this looks like it's going to be the best school in Mozambique. It's definitely the best junior school. And as we get it to a fully functioning school, it will literally shape the culture of northern Mozambique, at least. And uh, we had some fun talking last night about getting some uh, business minds together, some marketplace guys, and thinking, how can we tackle this? How can we partner? Um, so it's going to be exciting to see. From here, 
tomorrow, uh, actually this evening, I go down to Eastbourne, and uh, Daryl and Joy, Greg's eldest daughter, has been unable to carry on in Mozambique. At 15 years old, she's come to the UK to finish her schooling because we don't have the secondary school. And Daryl and Joy are one of those unique people, families, who are willing to take that kind of cost. Um, but if we could have a senior school, high-capacity families like that could have their kids all the way through school. And uh, from Eastbourne, I go up to London, and I meet with Dave and Liz Holden tomorrow, and then in the evening, I fly to New Zealand, where there's another church that is keen to partner. And uh, I'm just giving everything to this uh, as this end of year approaches, and we've broken ground already, as you saw, and uh, I'm... I'm just trusting God for great things. So uh, as I prayed for you, I felt like God really gave me this message from 2 Timothy, and I'd love you to turn there. The title of the message is, We Are All Called to Frontline Glory. We Are All Called to Frontline Glory, and it's from 2 Timothy chapter 4, and uh, this is the very final letter of the Apostle Paul. He is in prison, and he is aware that his life is about to be terminated. He doesn't know exactly when, and uh, is the volume okay? I've raised my voice a little bit. Um, he's aware that he's going to be executed one way or the other at some point, and he's writing to Timothy, who he dearly loves, his, his dearly loved son in the Lord. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, some of the very last words of this letter, verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Father, thank You so much that You love us, that You have loved us with a never-ending love, that You have loved us despite our rebellion, and that You have come from heaven to earth and given Your life for us. And thank you, Lord, that you not only love us, but you love Bristol. You love the UK. Thank you, Father, that as you win our hearts, you call us to get on the front line of your purposes on the earth. And Lord Jesus, I pray by your Holy Spirit that I would be able to preach this morning into the very fabric of this church that is on the edge of such an exciting moment as 2020 approaches, as they go through Christmas puddings and carol services and into the new year, that this church would increase momentum, increase impact, reach unbelievers, break through barriers. I pray, Lord, that you would open up this word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I'd love us to see just two things from this passage. The first that uh, the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to Timothy is that we are in a war. The reality is that we are in a war. And uh, he says to Timothy, fight the good fight. And uh, Paul is aware that there are wars around. He is aware that there are conflicts and challenges and difficulties and hardship. He is aware of the Roman Empire and the clashing of kingdoms, which was right in their face in their day. He wasn't necessarily aware of Brexit, but that's just the latest one for us here. Uh, but all around the world, there, there are wars and challenges and difficulties. And somehow, uh, our lives attest to that all the time. Um, we've just come through the World Cup rugby. I don't want to go over it uh, very much. I, I could almost enact it here for you, but I don't think that would be appropriate. But sorry, sorry for the result. Um, but that's an example of the kind of clash of kingdoms, the, the adrenaline that you get, and it typifies something of this grand war. Uh, we had a fundraiser in Harare recently, which was a boxing match. And we've never done this before, but we had three um, fights put on. And uh, our youth group leader, Tyler Rowe, was one of the guys who boxed. And he had, to, he had to train, he did five months of this, he was terrified, and he got into the ring, and he was fighting, I have to say he was an unbeliever, I mean, I hope he comes to Christ, but um, we didn't know, you know, can you, can you shout for your guy? Anyway, the fight started, it's on my Facebook page if you want to see, and they started, and they, they're like, you know, you fist pump at the beginning, like, yeah, okay, and then you go to your corner. This guy fist pumped and just whacked our guy in the face, the right hook, before the fight had begun. And the, the ref was like not a professional ref, and he just sort of thought the fight had started. And this gave Tyler the, the green light. And he did not stop punching for 20 seconds. And, on the <laughs> and he knocked the guy out in 21 seconds. You can see it, it's on my Facebook page. Poof, he's on the front. And Tyler was so pumped. We were all so pumped. And you realize there is something in combat, there is something in warfare that triggers something in our hearts. And the reality is that there is a war that is raging that is greater than every single one of these. And it is the war, the cosmic war, that God is king. He is sovereign. He is good. He is God. And there is one who contests that, who hates him and hates everyone created in his image. And Paul had said this already to Timothy. In the first letter to Timothy, he says to him in 1 Timothy chapter 6, again at the end, the last chapter to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. Verse 15, Um, keep yourself uh, free from the staining and reproach of this age until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, 
who alone dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And he is challenging Timothy. And he's saying, Timothy, you will fight this good fight. It is the fight of faith. And we're about to sing in a moment, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ his Son. I believe in this. I believe, I believe in the Holy Church. I believe in the resurrection. These are massive issues of faith. And from what we believe, we behave. And the essential fight is in the realm of faith. First point Paul wants us to know is we are at war. We are not in a neutral zone. I notice here in England that people try to prevent pain. They try to prevent hardship. And there is security, what do you call it? Risk protocols? Risk assessments for many different behaviors and activities to try and prevent the difficulties. But the reality is there is no risk assessment for the cosmic conflict which we live in. And uh, I was sharing with the business guys last night, guys and girls, that Hubble Space Center has just upgraded the number of known galaxies in the universe. 60 years ago, they thought there might be two or more. Then they upgraded to 60. Then they upgraded to 300. Then they took a jump to 1,000. There's over 100 billion stars in our galaxy but they've just upgraded the number of known galaxies to three trillion galaxies. And this God who sustains it all is the king of glory, but for a while, his lordship is contested on this planet called Earth. That he loves each one of us on and came this is the essential battle that you and I are in. The second point that we get from this text is Paul says to Timothy, not only I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race, kept the faith, but henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And this is the inspiration that Paul is giving Timothy. He is saying, you are in a war, Tim. The best place for you to be is right on the front line, in the action, up for the prize, giving everything for this. That is where value counts. That is what will last forever. There is a crown that will be given to me on that day, and we're going to read in a moment, and to everyone who loves his coming. He's going to include us in a moment. But for Tim, he's saying, I've done it. I've got to this point. I'm about to die. I might be fed to lions. I might be sawn in half. And he's not going, the government should really sort this out. I wish Boris Johnson was here because he would definitely fix this. He's not looking to the state. He's not looking to anything. He's just aware that we're going to have problems the whole of our lives. 
Jesus was not confused when he faced problems. He absolutely got it. He'd read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're going to take me out of it and keep me safe? No, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. These guys are not confused about difficulty and hardship. They expect it. I remember Terry Virgo preaching on this, and he was saying Mike Tyson gets in the boxing ring, and he's not surprised when he gets hit in the face. He doesn't go like, whoa, 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 whoa. He, he, he's aware. He's in battle. He's in a fight. He's in the ring. That's what it's all about. The Apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy, saying, whether you're on the front line or you're holding back, you are going to get hit by enemy fire. There's no way to escape. So be on the front. Be winning the crown. Be giving it everything you have. And the Apostle Paul followed in the footsteps of Jesus, who gave everything. And he says, he who would come after me should deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. God, the true God, is an all or nothing king. Either he's Lord or he's not in your life. And I'm always so inspired as I think about the way Paul died, as I think about the way the disciples died, as I think about the way the heroes of the faith have died. I read a biography of Paul. It was called The Apostle Paul. And uh, I didn't cry all the way through until the very last page. It was John Pollock who wrote it. If you want to read it, it's just superb. And I just broke down at the end. And uh, it describes, it, it has to go into like assuming mode. And it describes having written this letter, the day comes where he's going to be executed. And he's led out of his cell in chains. And he's talking about this, the crown of glory that awaits him, etc. And then it says, flash the glory. This flash is the sword going down. And uh, I'm just so aware that in this give it all frontline world, there is such glory in death. And uh, Peter, we know, was crucified. Peter, who wrote, do not consider it a strange thing when you face difficulties of many kinds. It's, it's, it's going to happen. But he was crucified. And apparently he got to the moment of being hoisted up after they'd nailed him in nails. And he said, don't crucify me upright. Put me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified as my master. These guys did not consider hardship and difficulty and pain and challenge 
as something to question the character of God or that something is wrong here. They were absolutely clear that we're in enemy territory. The enemy absolutely hates us. He absolutely hates Mozambique. He absolutely hates every single one of us created in the image of God. Recently, I was in uh, Oxford, and I stood on the place where a guy called Latimer was burned at the stake. And uh, there were others around him at that time, Ridley and others, and they encouraged each other to stand firm in their faith. And Latimer had been told that if you just recant the faith, um, you will be spared. And uh, he and his friends were burned. And one of them, the fire, took light to the right-hand side of his body. And he was praising God on the stake. Latimer had said, today is lit a fire that by the grace of God will never go out in all England. That's the kind of way these people die. But this guy, I can't remember his name, caught fire on the right hand side and the fire went out. And they took him down. He was like, he's trying to praise God, but he's, he's on fire. And they lit a second one, put it to flame, and the second one went out. And on the third one, he went up in flames. You just wonder, what is the crown that awaits? There's a moment on that day where God, who is the righteous judge, we will stand before. And the scripture says the only thing that counts that day is faith expressed in love. And on that day, you and I will never regret for one moment any use of anything of this world that we stewarded with faith and love for the purpose of God's kingdom and God's glory. All the kingdoms of this world will come to nothing. Even the Zimbabwe dollar will be worth the same as the British pound. It's a day of glory. They will all be worth zero. Nothing will be of any. It's like you just cannot get your head around, but it is coming. And Jesus said the, the seeds of the kingdom are sown. And some lands on the path. And to those, it doesn't even take root. The, the birds come and snatch it away. And Jesus says those are them who hear the words of the kingdom but don't understand. They don't get it. They don't get it that this is a cosmic conflict about the king of glory being contested by this created being, Satan, and heaven's real and hell's real, and that's the real conflict. And the story of the Springboks and the English lines is just a minute type of this massive epic battle. They don't get that. They just live for this world. They don't even fast pray. But there's others land on the rocky soil, land among the thorns. And it says, the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches choke. It springs up, sun comes, it withers, 
hardships and difficulties or the cares of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. We pursue things that are not of greatest glory. These are the things that hold us back from the front line. Now I'd like to just finish with a couple of thoughts of what this could mean for us today. If we say, we get it, we're in a war, we get it that the greatest rewards are on the front line, what does it mean for us practically? And I would suggest three things, personal application, church application, and national or international application. Firstly, personal. Uh, I love C.S. Lewis, and he argues that this battle that we're in begins from the very moment we awake in the morning. The moment we come to consciousness, we're in the battle. The front line is there, and he says it like this in Mere Christianity. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. This was before email. It was before um, Twitter. It was before Instagram. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and taking, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view and letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in and so on all day, standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings, coming in out of the wind. I believe that the, the courageous front line of battle is fought in the forging of a genuine personal relationship with this King of glory who holds the universe together by the word of his power. And the challenge of setting your alarm five minutes earlier, ten minutes earlier, fixing your eyes on him, knowing his love, worshipping him, being known by him and knowing him, opening the scriptures, reading his word, allowing your heart to be washed by his word. And you're going into an election, and I love watching it. It's like, it's like a soap opera for us who, in other parts of the world, we just cannot believe it. Like, wow, wow. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn, what a character. Joe Swinson, what a character. Boris Johnson, what a character. Nicola Sturgeon, what a character. I mean, they're just, it's amazing. They're all there, and they're doing their thing. And this affects all of our lives. Absolutely real. But there is a reality greater. There's a reality greater than the British pound. There's a reality greater than the euro. And it's the battle to know him. And from that to love in our families. From that to witness in our workplace. To refuse compromise not be stained by the corruption of this world, to outwork our sexuality in a way that glorifies God, not just to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. And this will happen where no one sees. It won't be published, it won't be in the, in the news. Secondly, church, and that's a front line 
of battle. Jesus said, on this rock, the revelation of who I am, this relationship with the living God, I will build my church. And the truth is that the big picture of where we're living on planet Earth within these three billion galaxies is that Jesus, by his spirit, is preparing his bride. And to get stuck in to your local church, to prioritize, to think, to pray about, God, where do you want me? How can I be part of this? How can I give? How can I give my kindness? How can I give my time? How can I give my energy? And when you think of something that you know you can't do, you'll be about right where God is leading you. If you're thinking of something you can do, it's not. It, and we don't have time to watch Gladiator now. I had a little clip with all the best parts of Gladiator, and maybe you can send it to the professor. I just love watching Gladiator because he dies so gloriously. And, and, and his wife has been hung, and his kids have been torn apart, and he just kept going. And there's that part that he dies in the movie as he lands on the ground. And I, I want to be, you know, when I die, I just, I, I just imagine, my God, can I pour my life out for you and see this crown of glory? But uh, we don't have time for it. But uh, uh, the reality is that Jesus died for his church. And if we can pour ourselves out and build what he is building, we will not regret. And then lastly, to have a vision that goes beyond Bristol, that goes beyond the UK or Great Britain. I'm not sure what the difference exactly is. It's all very confusing but it goes beyond Europe and it's to the ends of the earth. And we spoke last night, as I mentioned, about you know, thinking together, how could we build a school? And once we've built the school, what next? And how can we change Bristol? And how can we do things differently? How can we unleash the marketplace into opening up this city? There are new battlefronts to fight on. And I think as you have an international perspective, as you pray for nations, that when you look on the map, you might not have known the names of them before, and ask God for his kingdom to come, you are praying in exactly the line that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Jesus said, go into all the earth. Lift your eyes up beyond where you are. Pray, participate. Please go onto the Love Moz website and follow and share. and Just be involved and find out what the church is doing. It's what I love about being part of New Frontiers. There are multiplied spheres around the world, and the latest statistic is that every one of those spheres is growing. It's just phenomenal. We're part of a family of churches which is, is literally growing by the day. I'd like to ask the worship band to come up and uh, do we have time to sing the creed? And I just want to finish with this thought that Jesus Christ never calls us to anything that he has not lived himself. And uh, the truth is that he is God and he came from heaven to earth because he understands that we're in a battle. And as he did that, he did not shrink back. He did not hold back. But he lived his life on the front line. He gave of his whole self. 
The book of Philippians tells us he emptied himself, becoming a servant. And the writer says, look not only to your own needs, but to the needs of others. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him. And Paul finishes the same way. He says to Timothy, and this is true for everyone who loves to see the coming of the Christ. We are all invited into this. And you might think you've got one talent, half a talent, ten talents. The reality is whatever we've been given, we are called to steward, to invest, to sow into this ultimate, ultimate conflict that will result in Jesus being glorified and will result in a crown of glory on that day. And who knows how we're going to worship Jesus with those crowns. It's going to be amazing. And I'd love to invite you to stand and worship him uh, in the best way we can for all that he is.